from Migration Media, this is Migratory Patterns. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. While growing up in his native Argentina, Brian O'Shea never quite felt like he belonged. So it's no surprise that his idea of where a home is boils down to the sum of an equation with ever-shifting values that works out to something like home equals where you are, plus where your family is, plus where the people you care about are. It's probably one of the most adaptable and relatable definitions that I've come across so far, which makes sense since Brian is one of the most adaptable and relatable people that you can ever hope to meet. And it's those traits that have helped him achieve massive success as a vlogger in China, where he has tens of millions of fans who tune into his videos. He's become what I like to call a bridge person, someone who's uniquely positioned to help connect people from different cultures, and has created a space where Chinese people can learn about their own culture through his discovery of it. Brian's rapport with his audience has given him a unique perspective in the Chinese culture and the social media business there. There's a trope in China of the foreigner who comes to the country and is able to learn the language and then becomes famous because so few foreigners can master it. He gets booked on talk shows and can land roles on TV shows and in movies. But as Brian says himself, that's no longer the case. There are more and more foreigners coming into China every year, and many of them are learning the language. To stand out now, you have to actually have talent and be creative. Brian is still leading the pack, and it was great fun to talk with him about his creative process, how he relates to his fans, and what he thinks about his incredible success. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So sit back, relax, and join my discussion with Brian O'Shea. Brian O'Shea, welcome to Migratory Patterns. Thank you very much. My pleasure to be here. Where is home? Ooh, that question. Um, where is home to me or where do I think home is for? Let's do both. Okay, interesting. Because the way I see it is home is technically wherever you are and wherever wherever the people you love are. Like home at some point was in Argentina for me, right? That's where I was born. That's where I grew up. That's where you're from. Yeah. So, and, and I moved out when I was 19. But then right now, if you ask me, is Argentina home? That's a big no. Argentina is not my home anymore. So where is home? Right now, home for me is China. Uh, but it wasn't China in the beginning. So I guess home is not a fixed place. Home goes around with you and it's not the people you love because I love my mom and mom lives in Argentina. So it's it's kind of like the people you love and you live with on a daily basis. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. For me. It's where your life is. Exactly. Yeah. Is that? Do, do you think that that's something that's changed for you since you moved out of Argentina? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah. Did you ever? Uh, um, so we had talked a little bit before, and you had said you, you know, got the heck out of Argentina. You've been on the road now for how long? Uh, over six years. Six years. Yeah. Before you left, did you feel like? Did you? I mean, you were obviously leaving, quote, home because it's where you were from. Yeah. But did you feel like you were going to make a home somewhere else, or were you just kind of traveling to travel, and you discovered this idea of home later? That's a good question. I, I've, I've always had this thing where I didn't feel like I belong in Argentina, like. Like I belong, for example, I don't know, people, I felt like society was very violent sometimes when it comes to football, for example, like people would get very passionate because we are, you know, hot blooded. Um, so the, I couldn't relate to that violent part. And then, and then, well, that came as well with like the, the crime index and the economic and the, the, the economy in Argentina. So, so it was a mixture of things that didn't make me feel like I was, like I belonged to that place. Mm. So I left. In between brackets, like I told my parents I was going to travel for a few months and, and be back. 
but deep inside, I just wanted to find a place to call home. Yeah. Maybe you didn't say it that that way to yourself, but even, you, not even to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. But, but I knew it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, you know, I I kind of when I moved overseas, I I didn't have that idea either that I was gonna find a quote new home. I just I didn't know why. I just needed to move to China. <laughs> so, right, so you feel it in your gut. Yes, feel it yeah. in your gut, and then when you get here, you start to kind of feel, oh my god, I'm not like I really fit here. Mm-hmm. What is this weird feeling? Feels mm-hmm. good, and then when I go Does back. It, it's like, it's like a cat, you know, with like the with the paws trying to like check the the couch, you know. It's like, is it? Is it? Does it? Is it? Oh, this is comfortable. <laughs> I right. like this. Exactly. <laughs> scratching the couch. Exactly. And then you go back to where you came from, and you're like, oh, this doesn't feel quite right anymore. It doesn't feel the same. And, and then it's like, dude, is that home now? Is it's taken me a while, and and it's as I've been talking to people for this podcast, it's um. You know, I've I've obviously come to understand this feeling more, but it's it's just interesting to kind of look back. I didn't I didn't think that way. I don't even know when the thought started. Like I don't know when I started to think of Beijing as home. I know there was a point where I started to tell people, like Chinese people, I would say, "Wish you Beijing Ren," because I always felt so comfortable here. I felt right. like I fit here. Yeah. But I don't know when I started to apply the idea of this is home. Hmm. I don't know That's when that happened for me. Right. Because well, for me, at some point home was in Guangzhou because I used to I lived there for a year and then well now I wouldn't say home is in Guangzhou I would say Beijing I have and a I don't know who, when that change happened it's I interesting have a, I have a friend uh, I interviewed her she's now living in Seattle but she's from a town just outside Guangzhou what's the name her name is Beatrice. Uh, I mean, the the name of the town. Oh, I don't know. Oh. I don't. I don't, I forget. I would have to go back and listen to the episode. The, the Chinese names are hard. They are hard. Yeah, <laughs> they're hard yeah, to yeah. remember. It, I'm actually good at pronunciation, but because it's not my first language, it's not easy for me to remember. Right. But anyway, so she, when I met her, she was in Beijing, and she moved out of Beijing just a few years ago. But she had been in Beijing for almost ten years, and before that, she had been at university for like three years in Guangzhou, not mm-hmm. in her hometown. And when I asked her about her hometown, she's like, "I haven't lived there for almost half my life. Like, I don't feel like that's home." And she's Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just really interesting to kind of hear that from like it's what kind of like what you what we were talking about. Like, you live in one place, maybe you feel like it's home, but then you move on, and and, and all of a sudden it's not anymore. Yeah, and and also it could happen. It hasn't happened to me, but I'm thinking it could happen. That I've met people who are living in a place just because of work opportunities, just because of the family, and they might have lived in that place for ten years, and they still don't feel like it's home. Yeah. Uh, so that can happen as well. Yeah, and China's where very, your heart is, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and China's a very migrant culture too. With it's so many people have moved to these cities and exactly. to other places. And it's interesting. I, I was at a forum that we we did it with Migration Media at the U.S. Embassy, and it was a Chinese audience. We were talking about what it's like to be a foreigner in China and this idea of what migration is. Mm-hmm. And it didn't dawn on me beforehand, mm-hmm. but I remember looking at the audience and answering a question and I said, you know something, you guys are very similar. Like you have this experience that we're having, but you have it internally. Right. Internally. Yeah. yeah. I said, how many people are from Beijing? How many of you are Beijing Ren? Lao Beijing Ren. And one third raised their hand. I'm like, that's exactly right. Like one third of people in Beijing are actually from here. Everyone else isn't. Right. If you ask every single cop driver, they would probably say they are from Hebei. Yeah. Which is like the the province next door. Or like, you know, there's so many people who are not from Beijing. Yeah. So it's a very, that's probably one of the reasons it felt so, I don't want to say welcoming, but like you feel like you fit here because it is a city of migrants. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting. So um, you left Argentina for all the instability reasons that, Mm. you know, anyone who's plugged into the news would probably be familiar with what did you what did you come to china for like what was the did you have a reason for picking china and what did you what have you been doing since you got here 
Oof, okay, that's it. All right, I'm going to try to make it as, as short as possible. Mm-hmm. That's a very long story. Uh, so basically, I, I decided to come to China when I was living in Australia. I discovered China in Australia. I was living in Sydney, right next to Chinatown. And the place where I would work, where I was working, was across Chinatown. <laughs> so every single day, I would have to walk through Chinatown. And that would be, you know, lunchtime, dinner time. Like, it, sometimes I would have half an hour and I would just get lost in little alleyways. And I suddenly found myself wanting to spend more time in Chinatown than at home or at work or, like, anywhere else, you know? And and I started finding out that I the architecture was very interesting. The smells, the food was very interesting. It just I was just very curious of that culture. And the people, everyone was smiling and were, were super curious about me being there and just being interested in their culture. And then I started trying the food and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And people in the restaurants or even the chef would say, if you think this is good, <laughs> yeah, 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 you need to go to China right, right, because right. it's way better. It and is way, way more things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so slowly I got into the idea that I was like, I really want to go to China. And so it's like you got you got the uh, the Kung Pao chicken. It was like a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kung Pao chicken. People don't even eat it here, but exactly. it's like that's 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 how I got in. You know, that's like the Trojan horse. Um, yeah. So so what happened was that I was like, okay, I need to go to that place. And then I was I was studying acting in in Australia, uh, like screen acting. Um, and then and then while I was in Australia, uh, it's just the market's not very uh, set there. They they have really good actors. They have really good training. But the market to live there and be an actor is very very. Um, like there's so many opportunities. Yeah. Very tough, and they and they focus on the local talent. Like you're very pretty, but there are a lot of very pretty people down there. <laughs> exactly trying, yeah, yeah, yeah. down under. Yeah. yeah. And also, they have you know the Australian accent. They can portray the, only, the, the only, character. The only better. thing they're going to cast you for is probably a terrorist or a drug dealer or something. Exactly, yeah. some Latino yeah. drug dealer yeah. in the yeah narcos. Um, yeah. So basically, I said, okay, you know, like this is not going to work anymore to stay in Australia. I was, I was, I was studying there. I was, I did the acting course, and and I was like, well, this is not working. I, I mean, I love the place, but it's not working. And suddenly I had this other country that was like in my mind. And I was like, I really want to go there and eat stuff. I, I, I earned some money. I, I had saved some money from my from my job in Australia. And I, was I like, like you know eating what? their food. Let's go check them out. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That's what I like. The reason I came to China was like, all right, I'm just going to spend the money I just made. And let's just go for like a few months to China. Yeah. Eat my way around it. There you go. And then I, I was planning on coming here for like three months or something. And then I was like, there's no way. Like not even a, a lifetime is enough to eat everything. <laughs> I was like, I might as well just stay here. <laughs> and then I fell I'm in love with I'm not done with all the food yet. I got to stay. Exactly. Yeah. I have this line that I use in all my videos. And I say, uh, what's up, guys? This is, I say it in Chinese. So let me let me just like do the translation. I say, what's up, guys? This is the Brian that wants to finish eating all of Chinese food before he turns 40. <laughs> That's my line. That's how I start my videos. Yeah. So you mentioned the videos. When did you, st- you, you, let me just back up. Uh, you do videos on a Chinese platform that's, uh, in Western people might think of it as like a YouTube, but what's the platform? Oh, I do, I do in several platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Weibo. Weibo. Weibo is kind of like a mixture in between Twitter, Facebook, and, and I don't know, some, like a lot of social media altogether. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and also kind of Instagram as well. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's, um, Bilibili, which is kind of like like YouTube, mm-hmm. um, and then there's Douyin, which is Douyin. like Vine, like very short videos, right. like music, musically, musically, 
Okay, yeah, sure, sure, cool? yeah. So you're doing, you know, you're doing your content, but then you split it up and customize it for each platform, right? Yeah, basically. So where do your full videos live usually? You full videos? You mean the the long videos? Yeah, uh, that's Web One Bilibili. So you're putting up these videos, and how long have you been doing that? Now I would say two years. Two years? Yeah. And how many people are watching your videos? Uh, let me let me let me let me check. <laughs> It depends on which platform, but on Douyin, for example, the short videos, I get on average, I would get over a million views per a million video. views. Yeah. What about your other platforms? Um, so like Weibo, Weibo, I would get on the long videos, I would get like around 500,000 mm-hmm. views per video. Nice. Yeah. And what is, what is your what is, what are your videos about? Are you vlogging about food? food just food, uh, obviously. So, so what kind of question is that? So, <laughs> so you're the hi everyone. This is the guy who's trying to eat all of the Chinese food by forty. Yes. And what like are you, are you cooking yourself? Are you ordering food? No, no, no. I I I'm an eater. I do not cook. <laughs> I am terrible at that. I I do cook sometimes, but I'm not. I'm not a big chef. No. Uh, I yeah. So basically, I started. So here's here's how it started. I wanted to show foreigners the the food in China because I, I realized that there was a lot of things that we had no idea. When I was in Argentina, mom would say, I made Chinese food today. And it was just Italian pasta with bean sprouts. <laughs> By and, the way, I love how in China they call spaghetti Italian noodles. Right. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they kind of are. But... That's exactly what they are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I realized that we have no idea what people eat here. Mm-hmm. We don't understand it. So I wanted to make videos explaining that. And I, I started my videos in English, obviously, because I couldn't speak any Chinese back then. But then no one watched my videos on YouTube. It was a total failure. So I was like, oh, all right, I have all these videos. No one's watching them. Might as well just put them in Chinese social media, see how they go. Boom. Boom, yeah. It was like people were loving it. They were loving this guy from the country that's like the furthest away from China, Argentina, coming here and loving their food, you know? Yeah. So I started slowly learning Chinese and, and saying one or two words in Chinese. And then, well, now I do them fully in Chinese. But yeah, like, and, and I grew up, I grew a very steady fan base since I started. And yeah, basically I eat food around. I, I, I introduce foods that are, because now my chi- my audience is Chinese. So there's not many things that are weird to them. So I would do things, for example, like go to three different restaurants and compare them, say why one is better than the other, where one is like, better than the other stuff like that where to get the best thing in beijing like the best beijing kaya the, the peking duck things like that so i, I kind of changed it all up now i'm being did you find the best gen bing in the I city have, yes yeah i was about to say you got to do a st- whole segment on street food yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. gen bing jidan guan bing my favorites the <laughs> they're good yeah, yeah they're really good. good um i i i just want to apologize i didn't mean to say a million is nothing i mean anywhere a million is big but no problem but but in but in china it's it's uh, more on youtube if you have a million yeah. views on youtube it's a it's a big deal yeah um so i mean i have videos that have had 52 million views but it's not the average. Right, 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 right. So what do you what do you find that like that fifty two million video, like what do you find is the people like the most? What are the biggest hits? Or is there a theme or is it just random? So for Douyin, which are my my short videos, like up to one minute, my thing is dumplings. Dumplings. So <laughs> it's funny. I what I started doing is basically grabbing anything I had at home and making a dumpling with it. Just just putting one ingredient inside a dumpling and just cooking one, steaming it. And I do these videos with like a lot of energy and just like super hyped 
and, and I eat the dumpling and I, I have like one bite first and then I dip it in, in vinegar and laogama, like the chili sauce. So this is the northern style. Yeah. yeah. And then I have the second bite and I tell people if it worked or not. Like, does this filling jiaozi, right. basically. Yeah. And, and, and I've done like durian, I've done kiwi fruit, I've done instant coffee, I've done a mixture of banana and dates, which actually makes a chemical reaction. It tastes terrible in your mouth. And it starts making like little bubbles and it's horrible. Like candy, like whatever. Whatever you can think of, I've, I've made a dumpling. Wow. That, <laughs> that's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> make, everything you make a dumpling. That's kind of like the meatloaf. Like in America, meatloaf, my grandmother would make meatloaf. And whatever was in the fridge, you just mix it with some meat and that's a meatloaf. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that, that's the essence of a lot of foods. Like our empanadas or like calzone, Italian calzone uh, burrito even. It's just a mixture of things. Now we choose to use a specific specific things that taste good in that combination. But that's the essence of it. Just grabbing leftovers and put them inside a wrap and just... Yeah, there it is. And every culture has something like a dumpling. Yeah. I remember I learned... I kind of... It was hit me in the face as I was traveling across Europe years ago. Like everywhere we went, there was something that was basically inside some bread in some fashion. And everything's, you know, whether it's a pierogi or whatever, someone's got a dumpling. Yeah, like the Russians have it with potato or like bl blueberries. Then you have like samosas and empanadas in South America. Yeah. Everyone's like, got a dumpling. Yeah. It's, you've, you've cracked the code. The ravioli. To, you, yeah, ravioli. You've cracked the code to universal food porn videos. It's <laughs> just yes. Too, everything's, everyone can relate to dumplings. <laughs> yes. I'm, I've done so many now that I'm kind of trying to go away from it, but yeah. people keep asking for the dumplings. Wow. I they just, suggest to you to put different things in there? All the time. Yeah. 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 What are the craziest suggestions that you've got? Well, the thing is, I've, I've done crazier things before. So it's like, they come to me and they go like, oh, you should do a chocolate jiaozi. It's like, dude, I just made a jiaozi with like fermented shark. And you're asking me to do a chocolate one? That's like baby stew. You know, that's like baby food. Yeah. That's definitely going to taste good. So um, how long has it taken you to, to build up this audience? How long have you been doing these videos on the Chinese platform? Douyin, you mean the short ones? Or any, any of the Chinese, stuff that you've decided to point to the Chinese audience. How long have you been doing that? Two years. Two years. Yeah. So do you feel like you're good at it now? That's a good question. Um, I feel like it works. I don't know if I'm good or not, but the, the effect, the results are good. They could be better, obviously. And I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to think of content that is good sometimes i think of an idea and i go like shit this is really good this is an amazing idea i film it like with all my heart i put all my effort i edit the video put it online and it gets two views yeah. you know like no one likes it and then one day i make a video like that like i'm on a, in a rush you know i have stuff to do i do it like in half an hour put it online edit it just like like nothing people love it, it gets popular goes viral yeah i'm like how I don't understand. Sometimes I really don't understand what people want to watch. Yeah. But I think, you know, overall, it's it's not bad. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're a foreigner living here and you're kind of, you're producing content for the domestic audience, yeah. but you are a foreigner. Yeah. How does that make you feel about what you're doing? Like, do you feel like you are putting on a show and they're like, look at the, look at the foreigner, look at them dance around? Or do you feel like you're making a contribution to the culture? I personally think I'm making a contribution. I, I think I see a lot of people. Hopefully, there's no people looking at me thinking I'm a clown. But I see a lot of people and I go like, what are you doing? And, and you can see it's obvious that what they're doing. I can, I can see. You mean it, other, other vloggers? Other vloggers, yeah. yeah. Uh, but if, uh, personally, I think, you know, I think I'm very true to myself. I'm very true to my fans. I, I've, I've done, you know, like I've 
try to do cooperations with restaurants and, and I went to try the food first and it wasn't good and they would they were willing to give me money and I was like, no, I'm not going to do a video saying this is good and let, tell my fans to come here if it's not, if I don't think it's good. So I, I try to stay very true to myself. And you think the audience recognizes that and it's not just a look at the look at the foreigner jump. It's more of a this is someone that we can identify with and, and you're helping to you're basically creating a narrative that people can feel like they can participate in. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Like for example, with the dumplings, I do because I do one at a time. One at a time, and people go like, "Why do you do? like people go crazy about this? Like that's that's like, they go like, why why would you do one? You know, like and some people t- say like, "Oh, are you like rich? Do you like waste electricity because you do one?" And I was like, "No, but think about it." And and at some point, I did a video about it. I was like, "Think about it. If I make more than one and it's not good, or it tastes like it tastes terrible, or like then I need to throw all the food away. So it's also wasting food." And they were like, "Huh." That makes sense. And then, and then kind of sometimes it's this, di- this dialogue with the fans in which they have their point of view and I have mine, but we end up kind of, you know, meeting halfway. Yeah. It's this wonderful cross cultural communication that's yeah. happening. You're discovering and they're discovering through you. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's kind of a, I'm thinking about it now from their perspective. Like it would be an interesting way to explore your own culture to watch a foreigner explore it and right and participate in that process. Exactly. Cause it's, it's fresh eyes. Right. And, and then you, if, if you want to, if you're like feeling that you need validation and, and then seeing a, a foreigner enjoying your culture, then you feel great. It's like, okay, well, it's not, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have come to China and be like, oh, I don't eat organs. This is disgusting. Right. And people would have, like, if I was Chinese and I would hear a foreigner say eating organs is disgusting, then I would be like, I wouldn't feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. But then having someone enjoy your culture and just being open to it, they'd be like, huh, this feels good. And it allows you to also understand that it's not weird and it's not something that just your family do and you should feel ashamed of. It's something you should feel proud of. Hmm. I think that's awesome. So that kind of connection that you've established with, call it a fan base, but let's call it the culture. Mm-hmm. The kind of a connection that you have made with the culture here, does that make you feel like I like you want to stay here for longer? And does it make you feel like you could ever feel... We talked about the definition of home, but I guess there's a different way of, there's a difference between feeling like a place is home and feeling at home. Right. Do you feel like you want to stay here longer because of this dialogue? Like you're, you're, you're not just out traveling anymore. You're kind of in this place. And as a follow up, do you feel like you could feel more at home because of this conversation? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that, that also allows me to understand because I, I have, even though it's not like one on one dialogue, I have a, a very, uh, deep dialogue with my with with the culture with my fans through like comments I see what they think and I, I I read their comments and I read their private messages and I read what they put on my videos and I get to understand it and I feel like I can relate to them as well to my own fans and and that's something that's great because they represent the majority of at least the 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 population that, that goes online although the youth they represent that so I feel like I know, um, I know what they're thinking, and, and and I can relate to a lot of things culturally. And I feel like that opened a door for me to do, just to open up and be like, okay, I can open up. I can I can live here. You know, I, this can be the place where I spend the rest of my life. In they've seduced you, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they they bought me the drink. They <laughs> they got me tipsy. They're taking me home. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> Too far? <laughs> no, it's actually just far enough. It's exactly right, what's yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've been here 10 years and I've never had that kind of experience where I've had it one-on-one where I've had deep relationships with, with Chinese you know, some of my, my best and closest and oldest friends are, are Chinese who are here. And I feel like I've had, they've made me feel at home, you know, and I, I there's actually one friend I had, uh, well, I still have, but she's not in China anymore. And I was, I think I was the second foreigner she'd ever met. And she was introduced to me by the first foreigner she'd ever met. <laughs> we were all good friends. And she ended up working at an embassy and I, I introduced her to a friend of mine. They ended up getting married and now she lives in New York, but relationships like that where I feel like I've had this incredible privilege to be able to meet someone who is kind of first discovering Western people and Western culture while I am first discovering Chinese people and Chinese culture. It's this wonderful just kind of synergistic, you know, melding of experience in within the context of that relationship that, that I feel like I really got this, there was a cultural dialogue. I learned a lot. She learned a lot, but that's a one-on-one. You're having this dialogue with a million people at once. Right. Which yeah. does that feel overwhelming? Do you feel like you can, like, what do you feel like you're learning and how do, do you, what is your learning process like in that scenario? Cause it's coming at you in so many different ways. Oh, well, and, and the other thing is the online community grows and changes so fast that it's also, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's, overwhelming it's um it's a lot of informa- information to take and me i can't read that well chinese so it takes it takes me some time to like you know sometimes i have to copy paste characters and see what they are but i try to stay on top of it you know and stay stay on top of like the trending topics and and training you know the new trends and stuff uh so i think i think sometimes Sometimes my how would how would I call them fans that are, have been there since the start and that the, I've met them in like events they have come to to my events just to meet me they send me presents so they are more like um, how do you call it regular fans more fans that I that I got to talk to more than other fans they would kind of come and explain things to me slower and like more like in a, in a simpler way in a more simple way so there's like a group within the larger audience that you can kind of have that slower more in-depth kind of exchange with right yes on Weibo I had this fan group uh, it's it's a thousand people and then I can I can talk topics there I can ask for you know like uh, recommendations I can ask sometimes I don't understand something and I would just go look for them and be like hey guys could you you know like quickly help me figure this out and they were like yeah yeah and they send me all these links and like photos and explain to me how this is like culturally you know different to what i thought and and they helped me understand a lot uh it's getting you know in the beginning i needed them way more than i need, than i need them right now uh to to kind of translate culturally translate uh a few things and and there's a lot of them that speak perfect english and then they would just speak if i can't understand it they would just speak english to me so i can understand so like that, I can I can learn a lot from them, and and yeah, I feel like it's it's more like they want to share a lot. All the fans want to share. They would come to me, and even if they know I'm it, the video is about it's a joke I'm making about something. For example, just you know the whole thing. I'm I'm doing these videos with this spicy sauce, lao gamma, and they know I'm making jokes, but they would come to me and be like, oh, but. In this area, we don't eat this sauce, and then we eat this other sauce, and they and they want to show me what 
happens in their region, in their city. And then I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, I learn a lot from daily videos, you know. Most of, most of my fans are from cities uh, that are not Beijing, Guangzhou, Shanghai. Like, are from, from the countryside or smaller towns. Second and third tier cities. Yes, second and, and, and third tier cities. And, and there's a lot we don't know about that. Because we living in Beijing, we, we miss a lot of that. And so I, it's, it's amazing that I can learn it through their comments. And they would send me their products. This, I have this fan that has a coffee um, farm and send me her, her coffee beans and along in the same box send some furu, like a fermented tofu that they eat for breakfast in their, in their town. And that I've never seen before. It's like a spicy fermented tofu in a jar. And then like the spicy sauce that they eat in their, in their city. So then I made a video with that. And then all the people from that city came out and they were like, oh my God, this foreigner's eating our sauce. And, and they loved it, you know? And you're also showing the other people in China who probably don't know that town. Yeah, like, they might even not know yeah, themselves. Yeah, because yeah. it's such a big country. Not yeah. everyone knows everything. Yeah, a lot of people forget that like in America, it's just funny. I have the same issue when I talk to people who aren't American, like Europeans or Latin Americans or whoever, they'll say America is this or America is that. And you have to explain to them like, hey, man. America is huge. Yeah, we're well. huge. The third biggest country in the world. We're as big as China landmass wise. And we're not one country. We're 50 countries mushed together. You know, it's like there's a lot of cultural variation. But on the other side, Americans don't know that about other countries. You know, right. it's like like China is enormous of course but it's not monolithic there are you know what 30 something different provinces 50 something different cultural groups it's it's crazy yeah like I, sometimes people say i don't like chinese food and it's like you're you're talking <laughs> bullshit you know you have no idea the amount of food like there's definitely a dish that suits your palate yeah. trust me yeah i mean like, if you're irish you're gonna like dongbei food it's exact, meat, meat and potatoes it's exactly. what it is yeah. and they go like, no it's too spicy you know this like half of the regions don't eat spicy yeah. or even more than half. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, man. Like they probably just try one or two. So let's put, let's put you to the, let's put the spotlight on this. What is your favorite kind of food? Let's alienate all the, let's alienate some fans here. What is your favorite kind of Chinese this, food? Okay. I get, at, I get asked this question way too many times. And this is an English podcast. So your Chinese fans, most of them won't listen. You won't, <laughs> don't have to worry. Let's be no, honest. It's not about that. It's about, I don't. I, I can't set, I can't put the finger on something because I would say that my favorite food is the food that I haven't had yet. Oh, that is such a great diplomatic answer. No, but no, because I, for example, I love hot pot, right? But if I have hot pot right now, then tomorrow I'm not going to want to have hot pot. So it's not my favorite food. It's just what I wanted to have then at that, like right now. All right. I'm going to get, I'm going to get big. I'm going to get metaphysical. On All right. That. You're a natural explorer. Because okay. you left your home country, whatever whatever kickstarted the urge for you to leave, right? Mm -hmm. Instability, economics, whatever, you left. But you had it within you to leave. Uh, yeah. You bounce to different countries. You're open to these experiences. And the very answer you just gave me about whatever I haven't tra tried next. And if I have this, I love it today. I'm not going to want it tomorrow. You are a natural explorer. You want to know what's next. Yeah. You will never settle down. You will never settle for a favorite. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> However, that being said, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I keep, that I, I find that because of the complexity and because of how complex and simple at the same time that they are, I find that they're amazing. And they're like, they, I, I won't say they're my favorite, but there's a list of dishes that I go like, all right, respect. Yeah. For example, the one I keep, I keep bringing down to the table, bringing back to the table, luo shi fen. 
Loshufen. What is that? Have you ever had that? I, maybe, but I'm not. I don't remember the name. It's from Guangxi. Guangxi. From the Guangxi region. It's basically a bowl of noodles made out of rice that you can get either, you know, like round noodles or either like tagliatelle. The, the flat, the flat, flat, the flat yeah, noodles. Yeah. You can choose. And then the thing, like what makes them Loshufen is that they're made in a. They, they come with a soup. The soup is made out of uh, snail meat. Oh, I wouldn't have had that. And there's two versions. One comes with the snail meat, and the other one is is filtered. It's not in there. And then the the like the identity is it comes from fermented bamboo. Now that fermented bamboo, I have I have tried a vegan version of this. Oh, ha- I have because it's vegan. Yeah, it doesn't have meat. Right. I've tried. Oh no no sorry. It has the no. The, it is a snail. The snail. But, but now I've had something. I know. Okay. I I I don't. I'm not. Rem- the name didn't ring a bell, but the thing with the bamboo—it's very stinky. Yes, like if you if you if I eat it right now, your house ha- your house would stink to Loshifen for two days. Yeah, we got. I remember we ordered this and we thought it was um we thought it was stinky tofu. Right. Well, it, it does have the fried tofu, uh, sh- like very thin sheets. Right. But, but we but we know like we recognize the characters for stinky tofu and like this is not stinky tofu. What is this awful smelling thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But and they they put the they put like a lot of things in there. It has like more like the the black uh, fungus, you know, mm-hmm. the, the black fungus that looks like a, like a little ear yep. that looks like cartilage. Uh, it has like fried peanuts, uh, fried soybeans. It has like tofu. It has um, sometimes they put like seaweed. Sometimes they put meat on it, eggs. It usually has like a brined egg. Um, it's, it's spicy. It has like chili oil. It, it has like spring onion. It has um, like xianzai, like coriander. It's amazing. So every time I have that, I go like... I smell that and it just I just feels such like such a complex thing and it's only like 12 quai. Super cheap, super simple, super simple ingredients, but the combination of that just makes it Yeah, that's the amazing thing about Chinese amazing. food is is just it's they uh, you know, the snail and the meat aside, one of the things I talk about being vegan in China is so easy is because they have such a long culinary history and for so much of that history f- meat wasn't easily readily available or exactly. accessible or affordable for most of the population so they know how to make dishes out of veggies that are complex and subtle flavors and really delicious absolutely like, yeah that, it's wonderful so i want to say as we're sitting here i'm i'm feeling very jealous of the chinese people that they get you uh, and I mean that in the sense that you're kind of going through this experience where you are, as we talked about, learning about their culture and they're learning about their culture through you. You're this bridge person. Mm-hmm. You kind of fell into it, but you're a bridge person. I want it the other way. Like, I want to learn about Chinese food and Chinese culture through some, like, so we need, we need someone on our team. Who's doing what you're doing? But well, I tried. Us. It didn't work. You weren't we were looking. You weren't watching my videos. You I'm weren't sorry. giving me them views. Well, now that I know about them, I'll watch them. But well, so <laughs> too I late. Get, yeah, too late. So when you put out your videos, you're obviously speaking to a Chinese audience. Have you thought about doing it the other way, or have you thought about a Chinese person doing what you're doing overseas, and other people doing that? Well, I mean, there is a guy that started doing it. He, I think his name was like the Food Ranger or something. Um, but he will, he moved on to other countries afterwards. I think, I, look, I started actually recently, I just haven't followed through, but doing videos in English, uh, cause I want to show, cause there's, there's things that I feel like they're unique and I want to show them to someone, but I feel like Chinese people wouldn't find it interesting. For example, I want to, I'm going to start this new sort of channel, like in my, within my channel, just for YouTube, I want to call it, it's like a xiangmo, like a like a, a program uh, and I want to call it uh, 
What the fuck did China do to my favorite fast food chain? Oh, I love that idea. So I would go to like KFC and show all the things that you can only get in China. Like the rice bowl or the little um, chicken leg that has been like, the, the bones have been taken out and it's been filled with like sticky rice and xiaolongxia. You know, like I want to show that because people have no idea what's happening here in the, in the fast food chains. And that's in KFC. It's not in some like, you know, like local Chinese fried chicken store. Uh, so I want to I want to show that I want to show a little bit of that. Yeah, I was talking to someone about the about KFC, how they're super successful here. Everyone knows them, but most of their menu, they make KFC, the global brand, makes most of their money in China. They don't mm-hmm. actually not do well in the West, and they most of the menu is basically a Chinese menu with KFC added in. Like yeah. it's basically all Chinese fast food with some KFC in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, how literally. it works. Yeah, that's actually a really great idea, and I'd love to see that. And I'm I'm interested about this concept about what you're doing. Like I said, the um, the 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 process of you learning through the culture and the locals learning about their culture through you. I'm curious about that. If that's unique to China, would that even work anywhere else? Like, would America be interested in watching a show about a Chinese person learning about American food? And all these crazy dishes from all over through a Chinese person discovery. You know what I mean? I think th- what happens there is that there's already a lot of Chinese people living in the U.S. Hmm. Whereas, and, and that speak perfect English. Whereas, th- even though there's a lot of foreigners in China that speak perfect Chinese, we're still in a, in a stage in which, there, in which there's not many people fluent in Chinese living in China from, a, from an outside country doing content. That is the the, the mar- like the the offer is very small right now, so that's why I, I people find it interesting. I don't mm-hmm. think it would work the other way around in the U.S. That's interesting. Also, there might be kind of a China, the Chinese culture is kind of naturally, I won't say naturally, but they're in this real exploratory phase where they've just recently opened up and they are actively looking outwards to see what's out there. Whereas yeah. in the West, we're not quite as interested in what else is out there. We're really Pretty content. I'll just speak for an American because I'm an American. I'm North American, a United States citizen. You are also American from South America. Well, that was very diplomatic as well. well thank I, you. I, thank I, you. I, get, I get my knuckles wrapped when I misspeak like that. My first year here, one of my very good friends is from Ecuador. And, uh-huh. and I said, oh, I'm an American. She said, I'm an American too, damn it. <laughs> and I said, you know something? You're absolutely right. <laughs> so I, I check it myself. It is true, as, though. It is, it is true. But yeah, I think about like in America, we, we have kind of this arrogance or just you know central we don't look outward we're only we're we're number one and and you know we don't need to worry about anyone else and i I guess you're right that wouldn't really work you know there's a podcast right now that there's this egyptian comedian uh my name escaping me at the moment but he was quote the john stewart of egypt and he was very famous for getting shut down and fleeing the country because you know he got too controversial it wasn't really controversial the state just got too overbearing and he's got a podcast now where he's in the u.s and the podcast is basically him just talking about his experience trying to get acclimated as a new american like he's he's come over he's basically a refugee and he's he's trying to make a life in america and what does that mean and what is the experience like and it's interesting but it's not like you know the number one podcast in america right you know so there's a there there's a there's a cultural curiosity that china has that i think is unique to hear yeah having said that like if in the beginning, I was I was doing very simple videos where I would just go and try something and say what I thought. But now I start I start figuring out that that doesn't work anymore. I need to show them something they're not watching anywhere else. It's not being a foreigner is not enough anymore. 
because there's a lot of foreigners doing content. So now I need, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, like I have competition now. So it's, it's getting harder and harder, but that's kind of good. I, I like a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I, I, I have only glimpsed a couple of your videos because I don't speak Chinese. I don't have access to these platforms. I'd love to see them, uh, posted on YouTube so we can, and I'll, Oh, and they I'll, are on YouTube. And I, well, I'll put a link to, uh, them in the show notes so people can check them out. Well, thank but, you. um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're working on a video today and you came over and, no worries. uh, thank you so much for being on the program with us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it. I had so much fun talking with Brian. Check out the show notes for links to all of his social media feeds where you can find his videos. They're really amazing to watch. Since we've recorded this interview, Brian has landed a role in the hit Chinese TV series, I'm a True Friend, which stars some of the country's biggest stars, including Angela Baby. Look her up. And he's begun doing interviews with Western celebrities as they come into China on media tours to promote their films. You can find a link to his latest one with Spider-Man 2 director Tom Watson, star Tom Holland, in the show notes as well. Next up is my season finale, where things get personal. We'll see you right back here in one week. Thanks so much for listening.